You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey, it's Bob Bacani at Bob87 on Twitter and Instagram. Joined by my second favorite Daniel, Daniel Shahori. No Alex, because he couldn't make it through three hours of Raw. And it's <laughs> funny, Daniel, because, uh, well, things uh, seemed, it was a little shorthanded as Raw continued. I warned him. We, we tried, right? And he, he got through two-thirds of it. Um, and speaking of two-thirds, a third of the commentary was Samoa Joe. He joined Tom Phillips and Byron Saxton. I thought he was great on commentary. Yeah, me too. He, he usually is, and it was good to, it was good to have him back. I, I'll admit, he's no Chris Jericho. That's probably the one AEW thing I'll give he's, you in the next bit. Right. Uh, you see the difference that made. We'll, go, we'll get through all of that. Please proceed, sir. Absolutely. We'll, get, we'll just try to rip through it because there's so much. We started off with MVP's VIP lounge, which featured the three men from the Raw side from Money in the Bank, Rey Mysterio, Aleister Black, who I don't think Aleister Black should use a couch. I felt like he should have gone <laughs> to the ring and been cross-legged on the floor. On the floor, yeah. Yeah, along with Apollo Crews, who, of course, MVP wanted to win this match because Apollo had beaten him to get into it. This segment was really going nowhere. MVP was just cutting everybody off. And eventually, they were interrupted. And before any of this continues, Baron Corbin is going to win this match, isn't he? Like, it just seems painfully obvious to me. He's the only heel in this match. Both the champions are faces. None of these guys seem to have any direction. We'll get to Apollo Crews more later on. But did you get the sinking feeling, Daniel, at some point that, man, Corbin's just going to win this? And before I continue even. No, I didn't. I, in fact, I, I that that didn't creep into my mind at all. So I, I just hope that's not true. But you know, Bilal, every time every time you 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 bring up a point, I'm like, oh, I hadn't thought of it like that. So maybe now that now that you said it, I, I hope that's not true. But now that you said it, I hope that's not true. It's very scary. But uh, you know, there was some hope because Selena Vega came out. She made a good point because Apollo Cruz had just started talking, and she was like, well, nobody wants to listen to you, Apollo, which. Yeah, it turned out to be true more and more as the night went on. Selena had her faction, which of course is Andrade, Angel Garza, Austin Theory, and she thought those three men should be in this match, not the three men in the ring. So Selena just wanted them to give up their spots. Pretty good heel stuff here. But they sort of didn't have much of a plan beyond that. Rey Mysterio cut off MVP, and he sort of said, well, yeah, you want to be in this match, but it also looks like you came to pick a fight. That triggered Alistair Black. We got a bit of a fight. We got a six-man tag. But, Daniel, I wanted this match to be for the spots and money in the bank, and it really wasn't. And even then, right. you know, go ahead. No, you're right. Uh, that, would have been, that would have made it more interesting. But then, uh, again, I didn't think for a second that that group was – do they have a name, by the way, that group? I, I was trying I, – I wrote down – something that I'm not going to say out loud because it was a little too stereotypical and it doesn't apply to Austin Theory. Um, so I thought maybe there was something there, like Mex-Americans, I don't know. Um, but Selena Vega just sort of referred to it as her trio, which, you know, she's a very great manager. If it's a Selena's trio, she? I'm fine with that. Because they don't seem to win. Well, yeah, I, I think she's a great manager with one great wrestler and two jobbers. <laughs> you know, and one jobber who as we'll find out later, was sort of trying to hook up with the backstage interviewer. So weird. So <laughs> this match, how long? It seemed to go on forever, didn't it? It went through like three commercial breaks. Yeah, it was yeah. just too long. And I, I love these guys. Break. Yeah, I think they're great workers. It was workers. actually good. Like, it was yeah, good no, no. Match. The parts I that think... I could pay attention to were great, but I just, 
I lost all interest in this. Uh, and maybe right. it's seeing these three guys together. Maybe it's the dynamic between the other three guys, Ray, Alistair, and Apollo, who didn't really interact. You know, Ray Mysterio could have done a lot more here. He could have been like a mentor to these guys. Uh, right. And Apollo did give us more later. And I like that Alistair Black didn't talk, but it just was missing something. It needed something more, you know? Because I don't, I don't think those three characters have ever met each other on TV before. Yeah. It's, there's, there's nothing between the three of them. There should have been something. Um, and again, it just, man, I just have Corbin fear. But moving on, um, there's some Triple H stuff. I skipped almost all of this. Yep. I, just, I couldn't care. But it, it, was, it seemed good from what I saw. We got Andrade... Sorry, they got Andrade backstage, and I just, I've had enough Triple H, like, especially after SmackDown. That was, you know, if Vince McMahon's had enough, I think I've had enough. You know what I'm saying, Daniel? I wish we reviewed that. Yeah, maybe, you know, if there's time at the end, we'll throw it in, remind me. Um, so Aleister Black's backstage. I thought he was going to blame uh, Selena Vega for his loss, but he actually was blaming his partners, which made a lot Andrade. of sense. Andrade, thank you. Um, what the hell did I say? You said Aleister Black. Oh, sorry. I guess I was just wishing it was... Yeah, because his wife was there. Yeah, I, I, it's a little confusing. That's a good point. Um, so anyways, and of course, it wasn't Alistair Black who got involved in this. Apollo Crews then walks over and wants a U.S. title match and in the same night because these guys haven't wrestled enough. And Andrade's yep. like, you don't deserve it. So, of course, Crews slapped him, and I guess then he deserved it and got his match later. Um, this was really bad. Yeah, and we'll get. I can't wait till we get to that. Is it, I, I'm really confused by this whole arc of, the, of this episode. Yeah, and it buries the U.S. title, which is really a shame, given the history and the prestige behind that belt, or at least that there used to be, but it's long mm-hmm. gone. Um, Asuka cut an excellent promo where she basically was just being this cartoonish character, but she was mad at Nia for what she did to Kyrie Sane, and we had a triple threat match on the schedule, but uh, this just was a fight Nia Oscar and for some reason Shayna Baszler was part because Shayna didn't need to be part of this at all I think it was a mistake to make her part this really just needed to be Nia and Oscar and Baszler could have just been sitting back and laughing for all I care but these women hit hard uh I don't think Dana Brooke has a chance in this match against any of them uh and if, if I don't know if Carmella's in there yet but she doesn't stand a chance Mandy Rose does not chance like these three women are going to murder SmackDown. Like, there may, there may not be a SmackDown women's division when they are done because these are three of the toughest, hardest-hitting women in all of wrestling, I think, right now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, except, I, I think we, we talked about this last time, but I still think that WWE has a thing for Dana Brooke and this might be her time to grab this, and she still might grab the briefcase. But I'll tell you. It'll be an upset, uh, but certainly she has the athleticism and the strength, and she's smart and she's hardworking. So look, it's not impossible, and we'll get into Liv Morgan a little later. And it, you know, they love blondes. So if you're blonde, you got like a fifty percent higher chance of being successful. Speaking of which, Lana was backstage, and Bobby Lashley had to explain to her, in a pretty roundabout way, that she was distracting him. He tried to play it off as how attractive she is and how much he loves her, but really, it's because she's an annoying person. Um, but this was sort of cute, sort of clever, a little bit. I'm being very generous here. Um, but it just kind of was relatable enough. And then he quashed some guy named Denzel, who I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. Um, DiGiorno? I don't know. DiGiorno? 
Um, but uh, right. Something like that. Um, but hey, Lashley looks good. I think his character is somewhat going in a direction. Uh, I don't necessarily want them to rip Lana away from him, especially now that Rusev doesn't work for this company and Lana resigned. So I guess this is okay. You know, it's, it's, know. it is odd. I don't know. Like, I, I don't understand what they go, what, what happens next with these two. I don't, I don't know. It was a yeah. weird, I always thought there'd be the payoff where she goes back to Rusev, but now it's just weird. I mean, it was always weird, but now it's just confusing. Yeah, it's extra weird. And I think eventually you split them off into single stars, but there's not really a spot for Lana anywhere as a single spot, uh, as a single star anywhere in the roster. But we'll see. No. Um, speaking of which, Liv Morgan faced Ruby Riot, And look, I, I've said it before. I met Liv Morgan. I've always been a little bit on the fence as, you know, is she a viable superstar? I think this match made me a believer. She kicked out of the ride kick, if that's what it's called. She hit her finisher Oblivion, which needs a little work, but it's a good finisher. And, I like that finisher. Yeah, it's a great move. It needs a little polish, but it's, I like that she's trying, you know? And she kind of, you know, looked to me as someone who a year from now, they could potentially position as a champion. Yes. Now, I, it's going to be, I'm going to assume a lot of women superstars from WWE would have defected to AEW by then. Maybe the divisions are more balanced. Maybe some of them step away. There needs to be a bit of an opening here. I don't see that opening right now. But she's positioning herself well if a couple injuries happen or if something rolls in her favor. And there was a pretty interesting interview from Byron Saxton after in the ring. And at first, I, 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 didn't, I didn't like the idea of this winded, you know, young, unpolished superstar giving an interview. But then when you listen to Liv, she's very earnest. She's very honest. And her promo was basically about being young and figuring it out. And I, you know, when I heard that, I went from being very worried about this to connecting with her more, and you'll love this, Daniel, than any woman in AEW. Like in one promo, she went from like, I'm not sure, to I earnestly believe in you, uh, and, and I actually like you, which is more than I can say about Karo Sakua, whatever her name is, or <laughs> Britt Baker, or oh. Brandy Rhodes. Like, oh. you know, I just, like, this went, this worked. It was who she was. It was honest. It was earnest. And those aren't words I even typically associate with WWE. I agree with everything you said, except for uh, we'll leave out Dr. Britt Baker. But aside from that, I actually, I agree with you. I thought that was, the whole thing was Liv Morgan's best showing that I, I think I've ever seen her do. Uh, yeah. Her match and the finish. And then the promo, I agree, I agree with you on her interview after the match. Uh, it, again, that was the most likable and mm. the best she's shown up on, on TV that I have seen her. Yeah, all they had to do was Sarah her fire her best friend Sarah Logan, so I would stop mixing up their names. And I believe in her. Uh, it's a sad that it came to that, and Ruby Riot had to get buried, but eh, they figured it out eventually after several months. Uh, Nia Jax then cut a promo, basically it was a backstage interview with Charlie Caruso, and Charlie was essentially questioning her about the sane injury and the damage she did this night, and she basically said, "Well, you can't stop me, Charlie." Reminded me of the Charlie Bite My Finger YouTube video, if anybody wants to remember that. Um, <laughs> Shayna Baszler can't stop me. Asuka can't stop me. She didn't quite go to the SmackDown roster, but she basically said nobody can stop her. She did that thing Nia Jax does where she yells, and I think that was the only thing I didn't like about this, but this notion that Nia doesn't care and is physically imposing is the right way to present her. She just doesn't need to yell 
for us to understand that, but I think otherwise this is pretty good for Nia Jax. That's fine. You know, the bar is kind of low too. I think any day she doesn't injure someone is a yep. success, but mm-hmm. enough said. Um, I don't know how I feel about this next thing. We're going to throw it out there. The Viking Raiders cut what I can only describe as a smoky, cheesy promo. Yep. But they did it pretty well, given the material. And they made some very valid points about how the Street Profits had only ever become champions when they weren't around. I think they were referencing WWE and NXT on Raw and on NXT, I should say. And look, I, I think these guys shouldn't talk. I think they should just be big brutes who crush people. And at this point, if you're going in this direction, I actually think you should have kept Sarah Logan and had her manage these guys. I would almost rather Sarah Logan be cutting these promos and these guys are just silent killers and you just have three Vikings. Um, it's an odd choice. I, I, it really feels like that revival gimmick we read about, the comedy gimmick, they just gave it to these guys. But they That's deserve it. it. You think that, well, look, uh, it, the, yeah, the direction that they're heading is... is to me is, is where the ascension were. This is, they, they, there's, they do that with uh, the, the Bludgeon Brothers are the same. Mm-hmm. Anytime they get this type of, what, whatever you call this, it's, it's, all, it's, it's not supernatural, but it's uh, this out of time gimmick. Mm-hmm. They end up being jokes. And, and these guys are really good at what they're going to, they're six weeks away from being complete comedy. Yeah, and I, I just, it's a shame because they have enough and they've been tag team champions before. They don't need to do yeah. this, but I think in WWE's eyes, they need to prove they can do this so that they can sell merchandise. And I guess if that's what it takes for these two guys to be champions, I'm okay with it. I'm not, it's not my choice, but I can enjoy it. Uh, Jinder Mahal made his return. Yeah. Crushed Akira Tozawa, which doesn't bode well for the cruiserweight tournament that's happening right now. I wish they could have found anyone else to take this loss. Yeah, um, true. It did kind of make me realize, because i got to work some AEW rips in here. Uh, does AEW know there's Indian wrestlers? Like, it just occurred to me. Have they made any effort to bring in anybody from India? Because there's like a billion people, and there is a wrestling market there. Well, it just occurred to me. Okay. All right, but WWE has how many? Five, maybe? Well, okay, okay, it depends how vaguely you define it. And really, Ginger's from Canada, let's be honest. But you have the Singh brothers. It's or the Singh brothers. Yeah, but that's. I know, I know what you're saying. Do they? I don't know. Where? Where's? Uh, you're, okay, but Divari. You got Divari. You got Divari. Where's, where's Sanjay Dutt working these days? Is he back? See, in like, yeah, I would love to see him. I, maybe he is back. with WWE. But I'm sure Sanjay Dutt would love to be in AEW, and they would love to have him. Yeah, it's a missed opportunity because I, you know what? For that reason, I was very happy to see Jinder back. He's obviously in great shape, which is what Vince McMahon really likes. It was, uh, I've forgotten about this gentleman, and uh, it was good to see him again. And it's like, oh, maybe once again they're going to make him. You know, be uh, you could make you could build him up to a future uh, contender for Drew, and they have yeah, the history together. Exa- exactly what I was thinking. There's a great history there. Unfortunately, Heath Slater's not around anymore to nope. be the third wheel. But you know, you're going to have to heavily edit him out the way they edited Matt Hardy out of those Jeff Hardy packages on SmackDown. <laughs> but you could still do. You know, it, it would be a good feud for Drew to crush this guy, but to have a good build and to build Jinder up for a couple of months, you know, over some guys like this. Yeah. So I'm okay with that. I think it makes for a good pawn for Drew to knock down uh, and a well-chiseled pawn at that. Uh, Charlie, was, I give her credit. She's working very hard. She interviewed Andrade she again for yeah. I don't know what reason. Uh, Selena rightfully cut her off. 
Uh, and really, this was just an opportunity for Garza, who I guess after losing, they don't care about him. He just had a rose for Charlie uh, as seemingly a compliment for her professionalism, which was interesting. Um, I know Alex messaged us that his wife, Trish, or fiance, Trish, enjoyed this quite a bit. Uh, so the Bachelor crowd out there, you know, this was something for them. Uh, but this is cute. I don't mind this. I think this is fun stuff that, you know, and Garza's a good character, whether it's ripping his pants off or hitting. And I think his version of charm is a lot more refined than Sammy Guevara's, like hitting on everything with a pulse. I, I give Garza some credit. There's a gentleman quality to this when he's not ripping his pants off uh, that I appreciate. I actually felt the opposite about Charlie. I thought she was highly unprofessional. She was hands in a rose, and then she just lost focus with her job. <laughs> off. She didn't close out the interview. I actually was thinking that. I was like, finish the interview. You got distracted by you were so unprofessional. But it was cute. That's a very good point. Uh, we did get Andrade defending his U.S. title versus Cruz. Cruz, uh, this was a great, great match. Uh, I, I think Apollo's actually really, really good. But the finish uh, killed it. He... So what happened? What Explain this whole idea tonight. I, I, I zoned out a bit, but basically... He was pushed for an hour by mm. this company. And then how did... What, what, is, what is the meaning of this finish? It honestly reminded me of the Peter Griffin knee injury. Ah, like he basically hurt his knee. And they called the match, which, look, I, they've been calling matches for the, for the Baszler stomp, where Baszler is basically potentially breaking someone's hand for Cruz to have like a knee boo-boo and then to stop the match. And then what happened after, let's get into it now where he's taped up and on crutches and he's crying so hard. And look, he sold this pretty well. He's crying like his career is over and refusing to do an interview. It, this sort of worked in that it made me feel for Apollo. And I get they're not going to take the U S title off on but it also makes you realize they don't have a proper program for this title right now. Andrade is just kind of around and it's just kind of a warm body who happens to have a title that Selena likes holding on to. Like it's just, I don't know. It, it just, I would have rather, instead of Apollo having this whole thing with Andrade tonight, I would have loved it if somebody else, even if it was MVP, who we'll get to later, did something else weird, had had, and MVP is not the right person, but find somebody else in your mid card. Heck, I would have been happy if somebody from NXT had come up and challenged Andrade and that was an actual program that maybe ended in a no contest and could continue next week. I don't think we're going to see this program ever extended. I think Apollo's going to go into Money in the Bank, kind of banged up, and he's going to lose. And it'll be a somewhat of a story. You know? Yeah. It's, that's probably what's going to happen. But again, this is my question. Like, I, I was really, really confused by all of this because mm -hmm. it, it made it look like with his win over MVP, that, okay, they're finally going to maybe do something with Apollo Crews. And they went him and it suddenly had attitude and he slapped mm -hmm. him and he challenged him. It's like, oh, okay, they're going to do something with him. And I didn't necessarily think he was going to win, but mm -hmm. I certainly wasn't expecting that weird finish. And, and now what? He's, yeah. he's just injured and he's going to go into a ladder match and lose. What is the point of any of this? Well, they might be setting up for Andrade to take his spot because they've changed their mind on this. That's what I'm worried about. I really hope that's not what this is. You know, I hope it's not one of those things where Andrade goes in this match because they don't have any heels. And then maybe down the road, road, Cruz gets a title shot. And maybe they do a switch where maybe they're looking at this title, this uh, Money in the Bank, they're saying, man, we need a heel to win this. Maybe Andrade is that heel. 
And then down the road, after he wins Money in the Bank, Cruz takes the U.S. title off him so he can sort of go into the upper card and Cruz can slot into the mid card. That might actually be the best case scenario because I don't want Corbin to win this. Um, and I could see Andrade, at, well, actually after last week, I can't see him having a feud with Drew because Drew murdered that entire faction. Uh, so I don't know. They're, they've written themselves into a corner is what I'm getting at. Because yep. there's, there's no solution here. Um, the Street Profits accepted the Viking Raiders challenge. Some good stuff from them here. Uh, and I like, like this. Yeah, this version of the Street Profits is good. Yes. I think they were smart to separate uh, Bianca Belair. I don't think that worked. I think it was, this was just two teams cutting promos, agreeing to a match next week. There's some good wordplay. There's some real history to this rivalry. This is one of the better things happening on Raw. Great. Um, unfortunately, I was live at this point, and they decided to rerun Becky Lynch's 24-7, which I've already seen. It's a great 24-7. But uh, it's very odd that Becky's not been on the show for so long, especially when Seth was on this show, her better half, if you will. And I say that very chokingly. And she's not on the poster. Is she in, is she in Ireland? Is that the problem? I, I, I presume so. Because she's not in the poster for Money in the Bank, so she's not working that show. So I think they've just given her some time, which is fine. You're not going to have every title on the line of Money in the Bank. Um, but obviously they did this, A, to fill time, but B, to remind people that she is still the champion. And realistically, the winner is probably going to come from the Raw side and is probably going to challenge her mm, a month or two uh, or more. So I guess it made sense. It was pretty disappointing that we're still doing this at this point. You know, this already felt like a show where they were shorthanded and they throw a video package in on top of that. It doesn't help. But to your point, you're like, it hadn't occurred to me until I saw the video. I was like, wow, we haven't seen Becky Lynch in a while. Uh, and that's when it occurred to me. So I guess they needed to do that. Yeah, no, I think if you had to run a video package, uh, this wasn't even really a video package. This was just something from the network that kind of re-ran in part. But whatever, it, it, it accomplished something. We then had Ricochet and Cedric Alexander, who I like as a tag team. They had a close match with Everclear. I mean, Everlast, whatever this team is named. Um, And this was way closer than it should have been. This should have been a squash. These guys are basically, they were described as Canadian guys who were Sami Zayn's friends who have wrestled some matches on NXT. Like, I don't know why this match was close. (laughs) I was was unfamiliar with them, to be honest, but I liked them, that team. No, they're very good, in fairness to them, but they're not really established. So this should have been a squash. And then after the match, MVP showed up, and I thought, oh, great. MVP's going to manage this team of athletic guys who can't talk. This is going to be great. No, he is presenting Shane Thorne and Vic. I forget the guy's name because mm. – and if you don't remember, Shane Thorne was part of the New Zealand team, 54 TM whatever. Um, yes. And I guess the other guy decided to leave WWE – and they're high enough on Shane Thorne. They want to try this again with this other guy who's as generic as Toast. Um, exactly. And I, I get putting MVP with them. But even in this promo, MVP had to admit that Ricochet and Cedric Alexander had already beat these guys. I don't think MVP managing them is going to change anything. My hope is that MVP being the snake that he is, after these guys get beat a second time, MVP offers to manage these guys. And then we get something where... MVP is sort of heelish manager for two faces. And there's an interesting kind of dynamic where MVP is trying to do sleazy things with these guys, trying to find dirty ways for them to win. And Cedric and Ricochet being the heroes, uh, the superheroes are trying to stop him, but still maintain the relationship. Like, I think there is something there. I, like that. I don't, 
I don't have faith that WWE will go in that direction because um, they're WWE, but we can hope, right, Daniel? That'd be nice. I like that idea. Yeah. Uh, I wish you and I could just write all this stuff. We got, I, oh, I already mentioned the Apollo Crews thing, so let's just skip that so neither of us cry about that. We got another Seth Rollins Drew video. I was out as a skip. So was this the same video as earlier, or was it a different it video? It felt like it, yeah. Yeah. Like, and these this are viewed as not that interesting, and they keep trying to make it seem like there's, a, like there's something there. There's, anyways, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the video was pretty standard WWE stuff. What we got next was actually better. Jerry the King Lawler, for some reason, was hosting this contract signing. He wasn't doing anything else. He was just around for the contract signing. I would have, I wouldn't have, Lawler's an older gentleman. I wouldn't have had him there. I would have just let Tom Phillips or even Samoa Joe, an actual tough guy, would have been much more appropriate to host this contract signing. Anyways, um, and for some reason, Lawler felt the need, obviously because they told him to, to promote the entire Money in the Bank match before he got to the contract signing, which was really unnecessary and convoluted. He finally got Seth and Drew. Drew wisely told Jerry the King Lawler what anyone should have told him. You don't need to be here because these things go down a certain way. But also coronavirus. But yeah, he did not need to be there. (laughs) Drew signed right away. Seth, with pen and glove in hand, didn't quite want to sign. And then sort of explained that he had suffered for that title. He wanted to take the burden off Drew. And Drew kind of had a fun moment where he said it was very clear that Seth was full of S and where were his followers now? And basically they both kind of agreed that they had to finish the job. Seth eventually signs McIntyre slams his face on the table. I was going to take him out. Buddy Murphy shows up. Buddy Murphy gets, takes the shot for Seth. And that's kind of how raw ends. I, I didn't mind this. I thought once they actually got Jerry, the King Lawler out of the ring, this made enough sense. This was building to something tangible. I don't think Seth is really going to take this title. But clearly, he's the kind of villain. He's sort of got that Joker quality where he believes he's the hero. And I think this is something that was lost. I can't remember the character. There's another wrestling thing. Oh, Johnny Gargano. This is what Johnny Gargano should be. Not what we saw in NXT, which is honestly, I hate to admit it. It was an unmitigated disaster, the Johnny Gargano NXT segment with Candice LeRae. But like this, you know, Seth is a convincing main event heel where this title, and it's obviously not just this title, it's him being an idiot, but this title has made him this way. It's twisted and turned him and turned him into this person. And obviously McIntyre is not worried about this, but it's a, it's a pretty good narrative in WWE terms. And I thought this was pretty good. Not great, but good enough. Uh, in particular, Drew. I thought Drew held his end. Uh, so far, I, I like him as champion. It's a shame there's no audience to, to really mm. gauge how he's doing. But uh, I, I think he's doing very well. And, uh, yeah, I don't believe Seth is going to take Yeah, this. I'd be shocked. Um, all right, we have time. So, Daniel, let's go into SmackDown. You can lead the way because you only got about nine minutes. But wh- tell me exactly where you want to go, and we'll jump into uh, a bit of that. Let's go. I mean, look, the, the, there was one thing to, that I think everybody was talking about. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's, the, it's the end segment. Triple H, Sean, and then Vince. Comes out. Yeah, I, I still don't know how I feel about this. To be honest with you, there's a part of me that enjoyed it. The Stephanie McMahon calling the the road dog on commercial break. Ric Flair being Ric Flair, simple as that. The the Vince stuff. Um, that's where I don't know how to feel because I think up until Vince, I think this was pretty fun. 
But then Vince it comes out fun. there. Yeah, it, and it, uh, I, I felt like uh, I felt a little bad for Ric Flair. It felt like they they didn't let him in on the joke of what was happening. Like, it felt like he took that really seriously, mm. and uh, it was out of play. Like I felt like he was he was really heartfelt for him, but he didn't. Mm. I don't think he was aware that the rest of the segment was a joke. Mm-hmm. So that it was a little bit awkward in that aspect. Uh, and then with with Vince, like a lot of people were thir- like a lot of people are mm-hmm. are seem a little concerned about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the word backstage, what I'm hearing, obviously, mm-hmm. this is speculation, is that you know he's had a, a hard few weeks with mm-hmm. the loss of the XFL, mm-hmm. what happened with WrestleMania, what's happening mm-hmm. all around with his business, and mm-hmm. apparently he's adopted a. Uh, a new attitude where he's mm. he's ceasing to care uh, and maybe that is what he needs but it, it, he didn't like he just seemed defeated and first time that, that he seemed really old to me like officially mm. yeah I, when i look at that whole segment the the thing that i and i and bar you know is a take i've heard from a few people the katie vick stuff that really if you take that out I, I think it's a much cleaner situation. I think inserting that in amongst the Bailey, it's your life segment. McMahon references that as being as bad as Triple H's celebration. Uh, he references the gobbledygooker. And, and I think these, those are good generational touch tones for different parts of their viewership. And I don't have any problem with bringing those things up. I love that Bailey tweeted, you know, it's not my fault. Um, and it's hard to tell if McMahon is taking the blame for the Bailey thing or if he's lobbying it at Triple H. Like, that's not clear. But I don't, I don't mind that stuff. I, I, I worry about Vince because an older guy, he's Vince McMahon. He's, you know, the XFL thing, and it's turned out that WWE had, you know, I, think, I don't know if it's 20 million or what it was money behind the XFL when they said they didn't. And that's pretty, you know, he's being sued for a reason right now. And allegedly, I'm just going to say that generically for all of that. But... Uh, I just, it, it is very concerning when, you know, this is a guy who's essentially at the top of this pyramid and you see him come out there and, and you know, look like he's kind of lost his brain. Um, but at the same time, I think he knew what he was doing. I think when you got to the end of the segment, it was actually clever in the, the idea that Vince comes out. He knows this is so bad, it's good. And he basically shuts it down after sort of, you know, raining on the parade a bit. I think I think he got a bit lost when he got out there, and I think yes. he's he wondered a bit. Um, but I, I get the overall message, and and I think, you know, there's a discussion to be had. You know, is this the point where they say, you know what, we got to stop bringing the oldies back? It's hurting our product, and I think there's a good argument for that, to be honest, because I think this is a company that's relied on their older performers, McMahon, Triple H. Shawn Michaels, and even Stephanie McMahon included. And maybe this is a sign that, okay, you've sort of worn that out. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to see it like that, man. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to they're gonna blame COVID, but there's no, re- like, there's no reaction. Uh, the dog says there's no people there, but I don't think they, I, you, you said they're going to maybe learn from this. I don't think they're going to learn from this. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, necessarily think that anything was wrong that they probably thought that was good uh and what was what was odd about it as well is that you had Shawn michaels and vince and they didn't bother to 
advertise that at all in advance at a mm-hmm. time where they could really use a ratings bump if that matters to them. I don't even know if that really matters to them. But assuming it does matter to them, it didn't like you know, Vince is usually a little bit of a draw mm-hmm. and they didn't if they announced that all even like that Flair was gonna call it, like if they announced all these things that might have helped, but they, they didn't even do that. It's been a weird week and in the last couple minutes we have here, the Drake Maverick thing. I I don't even know what to think because I think what legitimately happened is of course they fired him and of course Drake went into business for himself but I think they looked at that and they said oh wow this is pretty good we are going to use this but we're not going to put this guy over against a guy Dexter Loomis just squashed which just shows you deep deep down they just wanted to draw a rating they don't actually care about Drake Maverick that's my interpretation no, I I think you're right. I think he was legitimately let go. Mm-hmm. Uh, his video that he made was was good, and like just like you said, they're going to use it, and maybe they're thinking, okay, I think they're going to wait and see how if it if it does make a difference, and if there is like a uh, uh, at this point, if, if there's an interest online, then they might, you know, they could always bring him back, and mm-hmm. they, they, so he could save himself. Uh, and I think we're just going to wait and see how this plays out, and he could very well do his job. But I don't think that was ever the plan. That would be, yeah. be so <laughs> in such bad taste to do a storyline where a guy's not really fired, where a lot of other people were really fired. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they really thought, planned it that way, but it could turn out that way. Yeah, exactly, and I'll leave it at this. Uh, we certainly heard reports that that's what was happening with Sarah Logan. She got shouted out last week, and she never showed up. So, you know, that it wouldn't shock me. Uh, Daniel, we're basically out of time. Thank God Zoom gives me a 40-minute limit or I would just lose my voice talking wrestling with you. Always a pleasure. Uh, Alex, pleasure, we miss friend. you. Hopefully we'll catch you again. And certainly Money in the Bank's around the corner. So I'm sure, if nothing else, we'll be back for Money in the Bank. I can't wait to talk about that one. I am looking forward to that show. Climbing the corporate ladder, only in WWE. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you, my friend. See you. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.